Welcome to the Charleston School of Law podcast. I'm your host, John Struble. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcast player at Charleston Law, or listen online to streaming interviews at charlestonlaw.edu. Today on the show, Hannah Honeycutt, Executive Director of the South Carolina Access to Justice Commission. Hannah will be our keynote speaker uh, for pro bono orientation on October 3rd. If you are a Charleston Law student, you can log into CORE and register to attend this important event. Hannah, welcome to the Charleston School of Law podcast. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm so excited about my visit. Yes, uh, coming up, and have you been to Charleston before? Do you get down here that much? I do, actually. I was just there a couple weeks ago Ah. visiting um, with some legal aid providers, and I have come to the pro bono orientation before. I think this will be my third or fourth time speaking, and it's always just such a great event. I love to meet the students. I love to see how excited they are about these issues and kind of share a lot of the work that we're doing. Yeah, it's a fantastic opportunity for them and for you to get in front of them and talk about the importance of this issue. According to the South Carolina Access to Justice Commission website, there is a justice gap in our state. For those who don't know or aren't of legal background, can you define justice gap and what that means? Yeah, absolutely. Um, The term justice gap refers to the difference between the need for civil legal services and the availability of resources to meet those needs. So if someone has a legal problem and they can't access an attorney because they can't afford one, that's a justice gap. If someone qualifies for help from a legal aid agency, but the legal aid agency has to turn them away because they're at capacity, that's a justice gap. Mm. Um, The justice gap is a widespread problem and not just here in South Carolina. Um, The Legal Services Corporation, which is the largest funder of civil legal aid in the country, actually now estimates that 92% of civil legal problems faced by low-income Americans receive inadequate or no legal help at all. That's just, that's tremendous. (laughs) Wow. I mean, Um, that's an enormous number. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to just quickly point out, too, um, that when we're talking about access to justice and the justice gap, we're talking about people's most fundamental human Mm. needs. Civil legal problems kind of encompass just so many parts of a person's life, problems with housing, family, healthcare, education. Um, These are things that affect people's lives deeply. And if someone has a legal problem in one of these areas and can't access help, that, that has a really profound impact. Access to justice is a phrase that obviously I was bumping into a lot while researching this topic. And, you know, on its face, it sounds simple enough, but it is much more challenging than one might expect. Why is there such a difficult time accessing Uh, resources for those in need. You hit on a really good point, which is that access to justice can be a really tough concept. And I think that's because it means a lot of different things. It's a really encompassing term. Mm. At its core, access to justice refers to someone's ability to advocate for themselves and their interests. In its most basic sense, it refers simply to someone's ability to appear in court. Um, But more broadly, it kind of encompasses the social context of the court system and different 
systemic barriers that might affect someone's ability to use the to to use the the legal system. And this goes to your next question about why people have so much trouble accessing yeah. help. So things like geographic location: how far away do you live from the closest courthouse? How many attorneys are there in the area to meet the legal needs of residents? Language barriers: can you understand what's being said in court or what your paperwork says? Of course, socioeconomic status: can you afford to hire an attorney? Can you afford to do something like hire childcare or take time off of work to come to multiple court appearances? Kind of anything that would affect someone's ability to effectively use the system, all of that falls under the umbrella. When you refer to low-income families or families in need, can you offer like a, a profile, a persona of what a qualifying family looks like? So um, in order to qualify for most legal aid, um, someone's income has to be at or below 125% of the federal poverty guidelines. And the guidelines are set each year by the Department of Health and Human Services. And they're just one of the things that different programs use to determine program and benefit eligibility. In dollars, that translates to 37500 for a family of four. Okay. Um, about one in five um, or 16.7% of Americans have family incomes that make them eligible for legal services. In South Carolina, that percentage is a little higher at 19.2, um, which is right around a million. And I read this from your website, from um, your legal assessment report. 70% of parties in civil court in South Carolina are unrepresented and both parties have an attorney in less than 8% of the cases. Why is that? Yeah, that's a that's a really striking statistic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Just as a preliminary matter too, some of our group legal aid organizations measure the cutoff for eligibility for legal aid at 200%. Okay. Some of our funders have recognized that, you know, people that make a dollar over $37,500, they're also not going to be able to go out and pay $300 in um, attorney's fees. And so if we look at those numbers, the percentage of South Carolinians who would be eligible for for legal aid, it balloons up to over one and a half million. And so it really mm. is just, just, a, just a lot of so many people. And so part of the problem is, of course, that the need for legal services is great and there just aren't enough services to go around. Um, for the for the legal needs assessment, we collected data from six legal aid agencies around South Carolina that together employ 66.5 full-time attorneys and 71 support staff. That works out to one attorney for every 24,782 people in oh the eligible population. <laughs> Wow. Right. So and we also know that civil legal problems are really common. Um, according to LSC, four out of five low income households experience at least one civil legal problem every year. Um, I talked earlier about how these types of problems affect just every aspect of people's lives. Um, for our needs assessment, 82% um, of respondents to our community survey reported that they or someone in their household had a legal problem that they needed help resolving over the past five years. A lot of households reported that they had more than one problem. So part of the problem is just the justice gap, right? The need is too great. There aren't enough legal aid attorneys to meet it. Mm. Having more pro bono attorneys willing to take cases and help fill this gap would definitely help just with that manpower aspect. Sure. 
Um, but another problem that came out in the needs assessment is that people might not understand that legal help might be available to them. Um, mm. They might be worried about cost or they might not know where to go. And so they try to deal with the problem on their own. How do you get to people like that who don't understand, they're not aware of the need? You know, if you're making $37,500, the top end of that family income, there are chances you may not have access to even internet and resources that way that are just a tap away and easy for some of us to get to, but difficult for others. How do you build awareness around that? A lot of our legal aid providers, especially South Carolina Legal Services, which is our largest provider of civil legal aid in South Carolina, they do a really good job of creating relationships with community-based organizations that already have relationships um, with these people that are embedded in the communities that have direct access to them. I think that's a really great way to kind of get at these people. Um, the internet problem that you mentioned is real. I mean, large swaths of places in South Carolina that still don't have good access to broadband. This is a constant problem for sure. One of the things you're doing that really excited me was I had looked at the strategic plan for 2025 and the vision for the South Carolina bar and one of their primary goals is to cultivate awareness and support among their members on access to justice issues. Can you talk about some of the work that's being done on that level? Access to Justice Commission, we're really, really pleased that the South Carolina Bar joined us as sure. a co-sponsor of this legal needs assessment. Their support was really crucial to getting this project done, and it's so important for us to have hard data to look to and guide us as we formulate solutions to these problems. And the bar really understood that and they stepped up and were a really big part of this project. And that's largely in response to the needs assessment. Um, this is a priority for the bar's current president, um, Rusty Infinger, and mm -hmm. we're really excited to see the bar kind of recommitting to pro bono in this way. We've been working with them, as you said, to study successful programs in other states, want ultimately to come up with a program that will be truly sustainable, accessible for both volunteer attorneys and clients, and targeted to the specific community needs that were identified in the needs assessment. I know this is kind of a pointed question. Is it difficult to get smaller firms, those who are working working heavily on a small caseload to be able to have the amount of time that it requires to help out in a pro bono effort? Yeah, I think so. So part of the problem in recruiting attorneys to do pro bono is that I think that there is a feeling that attorneys maybe don't want to take full representation cases because they have their own caseloads, they're overwhelmed, they're trying to make ends meet and pay the bills in their practice. But we also have heard just anecdotally from attorneys, and um, this came out in the interviews and the needs assessment also, that a lot of the people that are doing pro bono work are small firm and solo practitioners, oh. especially that are practicing in rural states. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Hannah Honeycutt is the executive director of the South Carolina Access to Justice Commission. She will be our keynote speaker at the pro bono orientation on Tuesday, October 3rd. If you're a law student here at Charleston School of Law, you can register to attend on CORE. How can we serve 
as a law school to be part of that solution. Charleston School of Law is really unique in that it has a really robust pro bono program and you all make pro bono a requirement of graduation. And Correct. I think that is absolutely fantastic, <laughs> not just for the student's education. I mean, it's well established that experiential learning, you know, learning by doing, which they'll be doing when they get their pro bono placements. That's one of the best ways to learn. This work will really help instill a real appreciation for pro bono and how important the work is and that the students then can carry with them into their practice after they graduate. They're going to have experiences and meet clients and learn about issues that they really couldn't anywhere else. And that's amazing. Mm. Beyond just kind of rolling up their sleeves and doing the work in their pro bono placements, Students, I think, are in a really unique position to spread the word about these issues. They're the next generation of lawyers and leaders in our profession. And if they can kind of gain an understanding of the issues now and come to appreciate the magnitude of the problem, get excited about forming solutions, be able to tell their friends and family and the people they work with and other people what the issues are and why they're important, they're just going to be just so perfectly poised to make a real difference when they enter practice. What are some of the takeaways without giving away all the meat of what you're going to talk about (laughs) that you want our law students to consider? If I could instill just kind of one inspiration in your students, you know, you have the power to make access to justice, not a problem to be overcome, but a reality for every single person who has a legal issue. As young lawyers and members of the legal profession, you will have not only the power, but also the responsibility. I mean, you're you're actually going to swear to increase access to justice when you're sworn in as attorneys, believe it or not. It's part of your attorney's oath that you'll take when you're sworn in. You have the power and the responsibility to make a difference for people who can't access legal help that they need. And I would challenge you to you know, take that seriously and bring a deep understanding of these issues and a desire to do pro bono work and make a difference for people in need into your practice. The Charleston School of Law tagline here is serving the greater good. So, you know, being good stewards of our mission and our vision is very, very important to us. Hannah Honeycutt, Executive Director of the South Carolina Access to Justice Commission, has been our guest today on the Charleston School of Law podcast. Thank you. Thank you.